The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. One down, one to go, boys and girls. KU Week continues with the Jayhawks in town Saturday on the men's side, but last night, the K-State women, boy, was it a nail-biter in the fourth quarter, and I say that with K-State leading with 16 points to go in the fourth quarter. It became a nail-biter, but the Cats got it done 69-61. Jeff Mitty has owned the Kansas Jayhawks since he has arrived in Manhattan. Welcome to the game. I'm Mitch Fortner. When it comes to the boys on the show, I'm uh, I'm flying solo once again because Troy's in uh, in Dodge City. If you missed it just moments ago, the Manhattan boys falling 62-40 to Mays. Mays obviously very solid, a 5A state champion a year ago. So in the consolation game tomorrow against Eisenhower, and that game will tip off at 1 o'clock. So that means we will have a full two hours of the show tomorrow with no Manhattan girls in action. Might be flying solo again. And also, you know, David G, he's been out sick, but Sage is back with us. We might have to get her opinions as we continue on with just this hour version of the show. If you missed hour one, don't freak out or anything. Hour one doesn't exist. Uh, that's because Manhattan High Basketball was on the air. But coming up uh, later in the hour, I do want to touch a little bit on the Kansas City Chiefs after talking to Mitch Holtis yesterday, looking at the game on Sunday. I'm not confident in the Chiefs, to be honest with you. And I also want to throw in an opinion on if Willie Gay, who was arrested last night, he's a Sam linebacker for the Chiefs, if he will play on Sunday. And if he doesn't, I mean, that's a blow. That is certainly a blow to the Kansas City Chiefs defense, and they're going to need defense when they take on Josh Allen in the Buffalo Bills. I'll tell you what, the docket for uh, the weekend. Honestly, it feels pretty fun. I think the the game I'm least interested in is the Rams and Buccaneers, but 49ers and Packers, Bengals and Titans, Bills and Chiefs. I think that's going to be a fun scale, a fun schedule of some NFL football coming up this weekend starting on Saturday with the Bills and Titans. But I want to jump back to the K-State women's basketball team because here in just a a moment we are expecting head coach Jeff Mitty to be calling in, and he's going to give his thoughts, not just the win last night, but also uh, the loss Saturday to Texas Tech. But before Coach does come on, I will say a little something about what I saw at the game because I was there, filled in for Rob Velker as the PA announcer, and boy was that fun to be back and, and announce for the K-State women's basketball team with All-American center Aoka Lee going for 25 points and 15 rebounds in that game. But K-State, it got interesting in that fourth quarter because the Cats were up 16, and then the Jayhawks just start pressing and pressing and pressing and forcing turnover, turnover and turnover. And you're thinking, oh, my God, this lead is slipping away. The Jayhawks are really good this year. With that loss, they they're now eleven and four and two and three in the Big Twelve. But you know, just like on the men's side, the Big Twelve is just as tough on the women's side. It's the best conference in the nation. And K, KU comes back and ties it. Well, guess who starts to take over? Aoka Lee. Back to back buckets. 
K-State then forces some stops once they're able to finally break the press after KU ties it. And before you know it, the Cats are up eight, and that's all she wrote, 49, uh, 69-61 that final. And K-State improves to 14-4 and 4 and 4-2 four and on the Big 12 schedule. Once again, we're expected to be joined here uh, momentarily by uh, K-State women's basketball coach Jeff Minnie, who I do believe is actually on the road right now doing a little bit of recruiting. But I also want to mention from last night's game, student section. Yes, a student section. It's a crowd. It's a student section. I don't think we've seen at a women's basketball game like that in years. So K State was doing this promotion for students. Students can always get in free, but they were doing free T-shirts, free pizza. That's a winning combination, by the way. Free T-shirts and pizza. Who who isn't down for that? As a grown man, I'm there. If there's t-shirts and pizza, Sage Williams is going to get that free pizza and t-shirts. And the t-shirt said beat KU. And what perfect timing that was. Because not only did the women play KU last night, but the men host the Jayhawks Saturday at 3 o'clock. They were giving away 300 t-shirts. And I was told right as the game ended, I asked the, the director of the fan experience there for the night. I asked her, I was like, so, so did you ever find out like how many stu- – because the student section, there's like two full sections at least and some scattered throughout the other sections. It was a great crowd. And I asked her, so how many students end up showing up to this thing? Because I've seen it too many times. And it's not just from the women's basketball team. It's not just K-State. I've seen it at other places where they do these kind of promotions and then fans will come get their T-shirts – and then, they, and then they split. They just leave. They don't stay for the game. They don't stay for the pizza. They just leave. And I'm walking up, and I see already a couple students walking out with their T-shirts. I'm like, oh, great. Oh, boy. Might not have much of a crowd for this one. They tried. They tried, guys, but it didn't work out. Uh, no, it did work out. The crowd stuck around. And not only did they stick around, they stuck around for the whole game. And Jeff Mitty even commented on that last night about how he, he has seen these kind of crowds leave at halftime. No, the crowd stayed. And they watched the Cats pick up the eight-point win against their arch rival. I asked her how many fans showed up, and she said over 1,000 students were there at that game last night. That was awesome. It wasn't the exact same environment you would get for a men's basketball game. Every time the opponent's on offense, everybody's yelling, screaming, making noise trying to distract the other team, trying to make it as hard as possible, sixth man type of thing. He didn't exactly have that. You know, maybe the students saving some breaths for uh, for Saturday. But, man, there were two Jayhawks that airballed in that game. I don't remember the names. KU's women's basketball team might have the hardest roster when it comes to names I've ever seen. Go look them up. There was uh, – I'm going to try to remember a name here. Iowana Hatzilioti. There you go. Iowana Hatzilioti. She's from Athens, Greece. That's a name for you. But it rolls right off the tongue, right? Iowana Hatzilioti. Couple tries. Practice. That's what practice is for, right? But KU had two players airball, and the K State crowd let them know it. Let them know it, and let them know it loudly. Got to the point where they were begging for number 20, 
Julia Brasso, who's a great player, she airballs in the game, and they are chanting for we want 20. So the crowd could chant airball. A player fouled out who was 6'6", Tyana Jackson, who actually, I think this season, she's the best player I've seen guard Aoka Lee. Yoki had to find a way to navigate around a 6'6 player who just puts her hands straight up in the air. I mean, how do you shoot over that? Yoki's also 6'6". And especially when you're a 5, and she had, to, she had to figure out a way to get around her, and she did. But that game got really, really crazy when you're getting down to the final few minutes of the game. You're up 16 points, yet KU just presses and it's working. It is forcing just turnover after turnover, and there was nothing K-State could do. Once again, we're still waiting for uh, K-State women's basketball coach Jeff Mitty to call in so he can uh, he can share his thoughts about the win last night. But I tell you what, after losing two games last week, losing to Texas Tech, which on paper K-State should have won. They did not play well. They really struggled. Aoka Lee could never get going. The Cats were not hitting shots. They were poor from the floor. And defensively, they're always a step behind. And then the game before that, that drew an okay crowd. But you have a top 10 team in Iowa State. They come from behind, and they break your heart with a three-pointer that banked in. The Cats needed a rebound, and they got one. They got one last night by beating KU 69-61, and K-State continuing to build that resume. And this week, K-State's been getting a ton of attention. And I love talking about this team. I I was pitching for years that we need to talk about this team because they have probably the best player in the country in Aoka Lee. But what's not being talked about, I I guess it is now. But Serena Sundell, according to one publication, has been named the best freshman in the country. So not only do you have the best player in the country, you have the best freshman in the country. ESPNW Hoops Girls has named Serena Sundell the third best freshman in the country. So depending on who you look at, Serena might be the first, second, third, fourth. But what K-State has is the Big 12 Player of the Year and the Big 12 Freshman of the Year. And during that press, K-State had freshmen trying to break that press. What a huge learning experience that is, right? A veteran team like the Kansas Jayhawks breaking down the Cats, just going after these freshmen, not giving them any space to breathe, trap after trap, double team after double team. But they were able to figure it out. That was an admired effort last night by the K-State women's basketball team. Not just the freshman, not just Aoki Lee, a senior like Laura Mackey coming through and getting it done as well with nine points, nine rebounds, and five assists. I hope that is a sign that this is going to be an amazing week for K-State basketball. Like I said, the first words came out of my mouth to start this show, one done, one down, one to go. And now the Kansas Jayhawks on the men's side are waiting to come in and, and play spoiler. Really, both of these teams are trying to play spoiler for the other team because K-State has found that momentum on the men's side after beating two top 25 teams. They're hot right now. They have stolen the heat away from Texas Tech. Even though Tech got it back by thumping Iowa State, K-State kind of stole the valor of being the hot team in the Big 12 
by beating Texas Tech. It just kind of transitioned over, right? The torch was passed. That torch had a flame at the top, and K-State starts running with it. But is the torch still lit? And I tell you what, over the last week, it's amazing how things can really turn around. Because if you had to ask me going into this game against Kansas on Saturday, if I was expecting a, a big, rowdy crowd, I wouldn't have been confident about an answer, but I would have said maybe. I think fans sh- certainly would have shown up. You would have seen the biggest crowd of the season. But a rowdy crowd, that all depends on how the game's going, really. But now since the Cats have won two in a row, we're getting that extra momentum, extra fun out of the K-State women's basketball team by beating KU on Wednesday. Heck, that's just a warm-up. I think things have really changed now when it comes to the hype, thanks to just two wins. And it's going back to my comment I just made just a few seconds ago about just how much more fun and how things have really turned around in two games. The topic now isn't exactly about can K-State make it through four games. It's now fair to talk about K-State has now started to build a resume and they're on the bubble for the postseason at a record of 10-7. and seven. Honestly, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But it's true. And we also kind of have a split fan base once again. And half of it makes me sick. Because I don't like hearing about people talking on message boards and calling into other radio stations about how they're worried that K-State's now getting too good because Bruce Weber's going to keep his job. That's insane to me that some would think that way. Your interest is in the wrong area. You need to be rooting for this team. You have a transfer who only has one year to play as a Wildcat, and he's right now leading the conference in rebounding, and that's Mark Smith. He has one year to play for K-State. He has kind of turned into the basketball's Reggie Stubblefield. He's not as animated as Reggie Stubblefield until I think what we saw after that Texas game, or five seconds after the game ends, he's showing the horns down, waving goodbye. I liked it, and I liked it a lot. Reggie Stubblefield was so vocal in his own way on the football field, but you know Reggie only had one year to play. Root for this team to have success, because clearly... It's way more fun when this team wins and they're playing that the road dog role. They get it done at Texas. They're underdogs the whole season. Doesn't matter who they play. They are the underdog. And to me, there's nothing better than an underdog story. All right, let's take it, our, our first break. We're still trying to get head coach Jeff Mitty of the K-State women's basketball team here on the show. I know he's out recruiting. We are trying to make this 510 thing work. We'll take a break and uh, see if we can get Coach on here coming up next. You're listening to The Game on News Radio KMAN. The game continues on KMAN at Mitch the Ford. If you want to chime in on anything, you can also uh, send us a message on the, the game Twitter account at The Game KMAN. As the game continues with Mitch Fortner, Sage Williams is across the glass, still trying to get a hold of Jeff Mitty, K State women's basketball coach. If not, no big deal. I know he's out recruiting. We we're going to try to make it work. If it doesn't, no biggie. What I am excited for, uh, coming up tomorrow is when we're really going to have fun with uh, the preparation, the preview of K-State KU 
Saturday in Bramlage Coliseum. Do you guys remember when John was here? We we did a uh, a segment of where in the world is Baylor in Newell's ballot? Because that was back when he was uh, in his AP poll. He was ranking Kansas above Baylor. Well, as far as I know, Jesse Newell is going to come on the show tomorrow. He's a the Kansas beat writer for the Kansas City Star, and he has requested to have. The Carmen San Diego music. Do you have a is that hot key still in there somewhere, Sage? It's like Newell Newell's ballot. Nothing in there. Hmm. I I told him we might have to go try to dig it out somewhere. Um, because I know it's in there somewhere. We haven't played it in a long time because that was actually from two seasons ago, and I think we might have brought it back for last year, maybe a little bit. Uh, but obviously, you know, Baylor went on to win the national championship. Um. I sub- that was a John Kurtz segment, a way to just poke fun, another way to kind of poke fun at, at Kansas. But, uh, you know, Jesse Newell is obviously pretty up there when it comes to uh, the Kansas Jayhawks beat writers. No doubt about that. So I'm really excited to have him on uh, tomorrow's show. Uh, we'll ask that Mitch Palm. That'll preview the uh, the KU game, and there's going to be other some other stuff as well. We'll see what, what all happens on uh, thinking about a top ten, but uh, I got to figure out exactly in what direction I'm going to go with that top ten because I haven't done one this week. It'll be fun to do one around the K State KU game again. That's a three o'clock tip off, and uh, pregame on KMN will begin at two from the K State Sports Network. The game in Bramlage Coliseum, and I do believe there's actually a handful of tickets remaining at kstatesports.com. Don't let KU fans go buy those tickets. I did want to squeeze in a little bit on the Kansas City Chiefs here. If you heard it during the update, Willie Gay was arrested yesterday. And uh, allow me to kind of just pull up the facts here real quick. So uh, he was in court earlier today. So he pleaded not guilty to misdemeanor criminal, uh, criminal property damage. And his his bond was, I, I believe, a thousand dollars. I'm sorry, it was um, a misdemeanor because the property total, the damaged property total, was less than one thousand dollars. He was booked into jail and then had court the next day, which was actually just a few hours ago. Now he was accused of causing two hundred twenty-five dollars worth of property damage to a vacuum, also a cell phone screen, a door frame, humidifier. That was all during the incident. Luckily, nobody was hurt. Um, just by what I've been reading from this story, he was getting in, in an argument with the mother of his child. They do not live together. He went over to her house, and they, they got into an argument. Obviously, this is all alleged, of course, as um, Willie Gay's pleaded not guilty. But it from what the details we do have, no drugs or alcohol was involved. Nobody was hurt. And he lost his cool. But obviously, everything's still pending because he pleads not guilty. So this is more still to come. But it's raised the question, is he going to start for the Chiefs? Is he going to play for the Chiefs on Sunday against the Buffalo Bills? My quick answer is yes. He will play. Steve Spagnola, who is the defensive coordinator for Kansas City, was actually asked about that just a few hours ago. And he said, well, you know, we're just kind of leaving it up to Andy Reid. He's going to make the call. Um, they weren't going to talk about it because it's still everything's kind of pending, right? It's still in court. Just 
had an arraignment earlier today. He pleads not guilty. So obviously there's a lot still to come. The Chiefs are not going to comment on that. The reason I say he is going to play makes me go back to Frank Clark. Frank Clark right now has a felony right now hanging over his head for being arrested late or early last year. That was back in March, right, when he was arrested in L.A. when he was found with an Uzi in a duffel bag. But he has also pleaded not guilty. All I'm saying is if Frank Clark is playing this season, he's played the whole year, You know, he's been available to play all year. There's no suspension or anything hanging over his head right now. Then there's no doubt in my mind that Willie Gay will play. But that could change. That could change. Now, I will say, um, any sort of domestic violence situations, obviously a horrible deal. But I'm also, you know, innocent until proven guilty guy. Willie Gay saying he's not guilty. Frank Clark says he's not guilty. The NFL has never, they have not stepped in as far as I know when it comes to the Frank Clark situation. Uh, they have stepped in on domestic violence issues before. Uh, one that comes to my mind, and you've really seen it from all directions, from how much evidence there is, uh, convicted, anything like that, even charges dropped. We've, we've seen it from all angles. And I will say, you know, the NFL has at times taken their time to make a ruling on a, on a suspension when it comes to domestic abuse, domestic violence. And sometimes they've made some quick judgments. The one that really stands out to me was when Ezekiel Elliott was suspended for six games. The reason it stood out so much, it stands out so much, is because the NFL did all this investigating. They took a year to do it. They suspended him for six years. He was, uh, he was never charged, never convicted or anything. And it turns out there really wasn't any evidence. And yet they still suspended him for six games after their investigation, which I don't know what they could have found that the what law enforcement couldn't find, but they still did it. So with that being said, you never know if the NFL might actually step in with this Willie Gay situation. But when it comes to their typical timetable, it doesn't appear it would happen now or it would happen anytime soon. The typical timetable for the NFL gives Willie Gay the opportunity to play the whole playoffs. That shouldn't be standing in his way. But Willie Gay would be a big loss for Kansas City, just in general. The same linebacker for Kansas City, he's a starter. And Melvin Ingram is his backup. It's not like if Willie Gay wasn't able to play, like the Kansas City Chiefs would be in big trouble. He's got like 40-something tackles this year, a couple of interceptions. Good tackler. But Melvin Ingram has also been pretty key in what has turned around Kansas City's defense and really just turned around the the Chiefs altogether. You go back to Kansas City playing the Buffalo Bills earlier this year. That was pretty ugly, right? When the Buffalo Bills started to run away with that one. And I got to say, I got to say, I'm not exactly feeling the Chiefs in this one. This isn't coming from Mitch, the Cowboys fan, who's still upset about what happened at the end of that game and losing to the 49ers. Listen, that's the, that's the Cowboys' fault. They blew that one. That was stupid. One of the dumbest things I've ever seen. Give the football to the official. Still, I don't think there's even enough time to snap a football, even if you give the, the, uh, the official the football. Another thought I had about that as well, 
maybe if I'm getting all over the place, I'll try not to do that too much. But that whole situation down the stretch there, you took a timeout right before that run. I don't spike the ball in that situation because you're already in short clock anyway. I, I suppose Dak could have slid sooner, a second or two sooner, and then he could spike the football or whatever. That's still a big gamble. If you get everybody lined up, if you go back and watch, they snap the football, I think, with a second on the clock, right? So they got the snap off on time, but the set, with the spike wasn't on time. You run the next play. Don't spike the football, you run the next play. I know that doesn't typically happen, but you took that timeout. Should have had two plays ready to go. You just run the next play after that run. Don't worry about spiking it. Because I know you're trying to stop the clock, but what you're going to do anyway is just throw a Hail Mary. Nothing changes in that situation. I, man, as a Cowboys fan, I've heard all the comments. Save them for next year. It's probably going to happen again. If you look at Vegas and their lines, the Kansas City Chiefs are one and a half point favorites. They actually have the slimmest margin when it comes or the slimmest line in Vegas in all four of the playoff games. And I agree with Vegas. I think it's anybody's ball game. Packers, 49ers. Give me the Packers. Bengals, Titans. I'm Titans are my AFC champions. And then the Rams, Buccaneers, Buccaneers. I got Buccaneers, Titans in the in the Super Bowl. Sorry, Chiefs fans. But with Derrick Henry back, they're tough. They're tough. All right, let's take our timeout. When we come back, we're going to get Sage involved because number one song of the day is coming up next. If you're a fan of the Peter Gabriel version of Genesis, you might want to turn the channel because you might not like this so much. Because it's the Phil Collins Genesis and their number one tune called Invisible Touch. One week, one whole week, seven days at number one in 1986. Oh, just a rock band from some place in England that I don't know how to pronounce. They formed actually all the way back in 67. I didn't realize Genesis was that old of a band. I feel like I realized that, but I'm also personally, I'm a fan of the Peter Gabriel version. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, well, my favorite, I think we might have to play it here in a little bit. We might have to play it after Invisible Touch. We'll play my favorite Genesis song, and it is a Phil Collins song. 
But if Peter Gabriel was, you know, the 70s Genesis, uh, actually, when did Phil call? He took over in the 70s, right? But Peter Gabriel, it was, you know, more the progressive rock, not so much the poppy sound. Well, Phil Collins and company, when they went to a three-piece, they changed into a more of a pop group, and they did get more popular, that's for sure. Well, when you change your sound, I feel like the progressive rock scene just never really took hold. Uh, uh, I mean, I I say I I would say it did. I would say it did. You but think so? Genesis wasn't. I I mean, when I was doing my research, they called Genesis the pioneers of prog rock. I wouldn't exactly. I wouldn't go that far. That's a stretch. I think that's a stretch. Maybe a little. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, you would pr- Jethro Tull, for instance. I will throw out Jethro Tull. That is, I think, a cult following type of band. Oh yeah. That is a that's prog rock, and it is certainly an acquired taste. Rush. I, Rush is like iconic. R- Rush is iconic. Rush might be the best prog rock band there ever was. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. Just Yet, you know what? Rush Rush wasn't popular with the ladies. Really? There, I remember seeing a documentary, and the, the guys were talking about how women don't go to their shows. They just, the ladies aren't big fans of Rush. That's interesting. My mom loves Rush, personally. Well, that's, and <laughs> I, I saw Rush in concert once. That was back in 2013. There were a lot of women there. Oh, yeah. A lot of women there, but maybe like in their heyday. They just, yeah, they, they weren't getting it yeah. then. Now, now everybody's flocking. They weren't exactly rush. Motley Crue, you know. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, who's another prog rock band you can throw out there? Um, Kansas. Kind of. Would Kansas? I think you could maybe throw them in there. Yeah. Pink Floyd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. yeah. I consider them more kind of the psychedelic side, you know, but. I don't know. Prog rock is just, it's a weird genre. You got you can throw some popular in there. You can throw some really obscure bands mm-hmm. in the pro, Super Tramp. I would put Super Tramp in the prog rock category. Anyway, I, I could go on and on, <laughs> but uh, more on Genesis here. Uh, their, their popular lineup was Phil Collins, Tony Banks, and Mike Rutherford. And throughout the years, they sold about 150 million albums. That's awesome. In 2010, Genesis was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. 15 studio albums. They had 17 top 40 hits, and this is their only number one, which I was really surprised to see. And what I was really surprised to hear about is they never had a number one in the UK. Only in the US? Yeah, only in the US. They never had a top hit in England or the United Kingdom, which is a bit shocking. From their own. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Invisible Touch was their 13th studio album. And Genesis actually became the first foreign act to have five singles from one album reach the top five on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. Phil Collins wrote the lyrics to this song, which are about a woman who holds power over the singer. He describes her even though he feels, he, I'm sorry, he desires her even though he feels there is something sinister about her. You know, Phil Collins has called this his favorite Genesis song. You know who else who is a big fan of Genesis and Invisible Touch? 
Patrick Bateman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Patrick Bateman, the character from the movie American Psycho, who is played by Christian Bale. Kill this because I'm going to play the audio from that movie. Right. Do you like Phil Collins? I've been a big Genesis fan ever since the release of their 1980 album, Duke. Before that, I really didn't understand any of their work. It's too artsy, too intellectual. It was on Duke where uh, Phil Collins' presence became more apparent. I think Invisible Touch is the group's undisputed masterpiece. It's an epic meditation on intangibility. At the same time, it deepens and enriches the meaning of the preceding three albums. There you go. You can kill it. Because I'm going to play my song here in just a second. I'm going to play my song here in just a second. I did want to mention, though, Phil Collins, he was the first to go number one solo before he went number one with the band. That makes sense. Now, for those that don't know, Phil Collins, he never left Genesis. Mm -hmm. He was always a member. He never left the band and somebody else took over. I mean, still to this day, he's considered the lead singer of Genesis. He just did some solo stuff as well, and he, he was very successful. Now, Genesis, their former lead singer, who you are a fan of, Sage, <laughs> is Peter Gabriel, and his first number one hit was Sledgehammer, which we'll still have coming up at a later number one song. He went number one for the first time a few weeks before this oh, went okay. number one, and uh, the song is also included in Rock Song Index called the 7500 most important songs of the rock and roll era. All right, here's my favorite um, Genesis song. I mean, I think this one rocks. You know what this is? I, I think so. I have to think about this one for a second. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, I recognize it. It's Abacab. Yeah. <laughs> it's my favorite Phil Collins song. And it's my favorite Genesis song. All in one. This one has a very retro feel to it. Yeah. I just love the groove. Here comes Phil. Look up on the wall. There on the floor. Under the pillow. Isn't this fun? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Behind the door. I mean, I'm having a good time. You could have made this one number one song today. I wish. <laughs> I wish. I, I gotta look it up. I gotta see where this peaked. Never had a number one on this one, unfortunately. Uh, let's see here. So I'm looking up the Genesis discography. Gotta scroll down to the singles. This was obviously an 80s song. Abacab, man, it peaked at 26. Oh. I think this is a jam. So much fun. Oh, yeah. I mean, this one just makes you groove. It makes you dance out. I feel like you dance out to the other one, but in a different kind of way. There's two different vibes going on with Invisible Touch in this one. I don't know what an Abacab is. I like it. <laughs> All right. Sage has been doing some some thinking, some brainstorming. She's going to bring some uh, Ask Us Anything questions after this. I want to make sure Sage gets her questions in. We're in short time, so 
Let's I hear can, it. Uh, What's give the you first some one? questions. So the first one, do you believe in ghosts? Just absolutely. Really? Abso- okay. I, I absolutely do believe in the paranormal. And it's because I've seen some things. Okay, you have a story. Oh, I, I've said it on here before. I witnessed in my, the house uh, that I lived in in Morganville where my parents currently live. It was like an old hospital. Uh, like way back in the day mm-hmm. and I witnessed uh, my closet door open by itself no windows were open there was no draft I did my investigating I, I certainly did and uh, hasn't been explained to this day my parents say they haven't really experienced <laughs> anything in quite some time Yeah. so maybe they went somewhere else maybe they're following you have you experienced anything now? no oh no. it's just it's just a one off kind of thing my, my theory is if they try to do stuff and you just ignore it, they get bored and move on. Okay, that makes sense. I think for me, I'm like on the fence. I haven't seen anything. I do like paranormal shows, though, for some reason. Like, I know a lot of those yeah. are faked, but... You, you, you think they're faked? Half, I think I think it's like half and half. Like, I don't think it can have, like, all the activity that they get in a night can happen the entire night. But maybe some of that stuff is real. I'm, I'm just, I'm really on the fence. See, the, the, the thing is, like, I've heard, you know, I've heard people say Survivor's fake, The Amazing Race is fake, like, you know, any kind of those kind of reality shows. And, I mean, to me, that's nonsense, because what if they get caught? Yeah, exactly. There's no way those, those the, kinds of shows. We would know by now... <laughs> If, like, Survivor was fake. We, that would have been exposed a long yeah. time ago. Interviews, they would have, contestants would have already blown that out the water. So, I got another one. What is something that you are interested in that most people aren't as interested in? Wrestling. <laughs> That's, That's fair. <laughs> uh, it, it's not exactly the most popular show right now like it was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um but I'm 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 very obsessed with the business side of wrestling. That's okay. where my fandom is right now, like the way things work. Okay. Like I've been a ring announcer for a long time, but also helped uh, book booking is in like create the show, help come up with some of the creative. That is very interesting on how that works. Um, because you also have to deal sometimes with politics. Like sometimes a guy doesn't want to lose to somebody else and that becomes a you know dramatic issue and you know it can be weird but fun yeah okay i get that i mean for me it's another kind of sport that is not very close to follow figure skating i'm very into figure skating actually Um, i don't think i've ever met a figure skating fan i love it i think it's so beautiful like do you know the names of like oh yeah outside of of like a triple axle that's what i know oh so the names of the jumps that they have like a toe loop and uh, a sow cow yeah i know (laughs) (laughs) who's your favorite figure skater well, my favorite figure skater is retired. Her name's Yuna Kim, and she was okay. like top of the figure skating game in 2010. So the only reason I know a name of a figure skater is because there was a song about him in the South Park movie. Okay. Brian Boitano. Am I saying his name right? I think yeah. I'm pretty sure that's how you say it. What would Brian Boitano do? <laughs> I really got into figure skating because of. Tanya Harding. There was a whole scandal oh, sure. with her. Well, yeah. yes, we, we all know about that one. You got one more we can quickly squeeze in? Yeah. Um, uh, true. If you had the opportunity to travel to space, would you take it? Absolutely. 100%, 100%? would not think sec- think twice about it. Oh, no. I Easily. think for me, it's like, I'd be too scared. No, oh. I'm doing it. <laughs> if I go, I go. You know? Okay. If, if, if something goes wrong... 
at least I went at out on a on a tried. on a you know doing something crazy. <laughs> you know, there's there's a lot more boring ways to go out. That's, that's for sure. Yeah, that's true. There is. That's gonna do it for the game. 